Hello and welcome to another episode of The Thriving Metabolism, where we discuss everything that impacts your hormones and metabolism so that you can take control, repair the damage and lose weight consistently without making yourself miserable in the process. Most weight loss strategies and diets actually do harm to your metabolism, resulting in further weight gain down the road. And it can be particularly challenging for women over 40 due to hormonal and metabolic changes. So it's my mission to empower you so that you and your metabolism thrives and you never have to go through diet misery again. I'm Louise Digby, registered nutritional therapist, weight loss expert, and founder of the Nourish Method to Lasting Fat Loss. This week, we're focusing on one of the most underappreciated puzzle pieces when it comes to weight management, and that is your gut health. And I'm not referring to belly fat when I say gut, I'm referring to your digestive system. For me, the more I learn, the more I realize that a healthy and balanced gut is absolutely critical to overall health, well-being, and weight management. So today, we're gonna get into how your gut is linked to your weight and why it can become imbalanced. So, first of all, what do I mean when I say imbalanced gut or poor gut health? You might be thinking that means having IBS or bad flatulence or bloating. And while those are all signs of an imbalanced gut, you know, we come across many women in the Nourish Method who have no obvious digestive symptoms, but their test results do show that they need to do some serious work on their gut. So what do I mean by imbalanced gut? I'm talking about the gut bacteria and yeast mainly. Essentially, too much of the non-beneficial bacteria and yeast and not enough of the good stuff. And this can be in the form of an overgrowth of certain species, or it could be the absence of some of the friendly bacteria. It could be not enough diversity in the range of bacteria you have, or it could be bacteria and or yeast in the wrong place in your gut. We've also got the gut lining to think about when it comes to gut health and how healthy that is. You may have heard of something called leaky gut or intestinal hyperpermeability, which is the proper name for it. So your gut lining should be like a sieve, only allowing through tiny molecules internally into circulation. However, it can become like a sieve that's got some larger holes in it, letting through larger molecules like bacteria and toxins and partially digested food which shouldn't be getting into circulation. Then there's the digestive juices and whether you have enough of those being produced, your digestive juices are needed to help you break down your food properly and extract the nutrients from the food. And they're also involved in regulating the gut microbiome. So those are the basic elements that we're thinking about. The gut microbiome, the digestive juices and the gut lining integrity. So why do these matter when it comes to weight management? Well, unless this episode is the first time you've ever 
listened or watched any of my stuff, then you probably know that hormone balance is extremely important for weight management. If that's news to you, please go back and listen to the first few episodes of this podcast where I explain all of this in detail. So in order to make hormones, we need lots of protein and fat, cholesterol, vitamins and minerals, right? And so not only do we need to be eating a nutrient-rich diet, we also need to be digesting and absorbing those nutrients. You've probably heard the phrase, you are what you eat, but a more accurate statement is you are what you absorb. Many of the women we work with come to us with a pretty good diet to start with, but when we run tests, their need for more nutrients is often really high. And that's partly because they aren't properly digesting and absorbing food. And if you're not absorbing properly, you're going to be lacking in the nutrients that you need to make your hormones in a balanced way. So that's the one way that the gut is important for your hormone balance and therefore your weight management. And next we've got the microbiome. What we know is that our gut bacteria does a lot. It helps us to make vitamins and anti-inflammatory compounds. It helps us to break down the food that we eat so that, you know, the food that we can't digest ourselves. Your gut bacteria can determine how many calories or how much sugar we extract from our food. It produces enzymes that help you to break down hormones so that we can eliminate them instead of reabsorbing them. And it also helps you to keep your bowel movements regular so that we're eliminating toxins and hormones rather than reabsorbing them. Your gut bacteria and yeast can also drive cravings for sugars and carbs, and they can drive anxiety and inflammation in the body. So if your gut microbiome is imbalanced, that can lead to imbalanced hormones, a high toxic load, inflammation, raised blood sugars, cravings, low mood, deficiencies, and more. All stuff that makes it more difficult to lose weight. And then lastly, there's your gut lining. And I won't go into too much detail on this because it's a big topic, but suffice to say that leaky gut can further contribute to everything that I've just mentioned. So why does the gut become imbalanced in the first place? There are lots of ways in which the gut can become imbalanced. Some of the main culprits include chronic stress, long-term poor diet, use of antibiotics, food poisoning or traveler's diarrhea or any type of stomach bug that might be caused by bacteria or parasites. We've got exposure to pesticides, artificial sweeteners, alcohol, synthetic hormones like the contraceptive pill and more. So lots of things can disrupt the environment of the guts. And some people start off on the back foot because being born by C-section rather than naturally and or not being breastfed can result in an impaired microbiome. And it's for that the impact of this on weight management may not be seen even until adulthood. 
Now, to really emphasize how much of an impact the gut can have, I wanna tell you about some research that they've done on mice. They found that normal healthy mice start to gain weight when the gut microbiome from an obese mouse is transplanted into that healthy mouse. Despite not increasing calorie intake or changing the food intake at all. Crazy, right? Not only this, but obese mice lost weight when they received the microbiome of a healthy, normal weight mouse. Again, without changing the food intake at all. So as I always say, it's not about calories. It's a much deeper issue than how much food you're eating. And this is why we focus so heavily on gut health for many of our clients in the Nourish Method. So all of this begs the question, what can you do to start improving your gut health? Well, a good way to start is to increase the diversity of plant foods in your diet. This doesn't mean that you need to go vegetarian, but eating more and a greater variety of plant foods like veg, fruit, nuts, seeds, herbs, spices, or anything that's from a plant that is unprocessed, it's gonna help you develop a more diverse range of bacteria in the gut because different bacteria thrive on different types of fiber. So providing your gut with a variety of fibers is key. So that's the place that I would start. And then I'd also focus on eating mindfully. Eating slowly and chewing your food thoroughly is so important. I know it is such a boring recommendation, but it is one of the most impactful things that you can do for your gut to keep it running well. Most people do not chew their food properly, but chewing helps to stimulate your digestive juices, which helps to control the population of bacteria and yeast in your gut. It aids the absorption of the nutrients, and it also helps to keep your bowel movements regular. Not to mention that most digestive problems like heartburn, indigestion, flatulence, bloating, they all improve to some degree when you start chewing your food properly and eating more slowly and more mindfully. You know, paying attention to the food that you're eating rather than staring at the telly and not really, you know, processing or engaging your brain in the fact that you are eating a meal. Now it's time for my favorite fact from the past week. And this one is very much on topic for today's episode. And the fact is this, the artificial sweetener aspartame causes generational damage. Generational damage is where problems are passed down from generation to generation. So most of us know that health problems or the susceptibility to health issues can be genetic, where it's passed down through the DNA. But this is a different way that problems can be passed down. In this instance, a study has shown that consumption of the artificial sweetener aspartame causes anxiety-like symptoms in mice by disrupting the gut bacteria and the central nervous system. And the effects of this continue to be seen two generations later, so in the grandchild. Now, this is of course looking at mice and 
two generations of mice are very close together. Whereas for humans, there's a long time between generations. So I would assume that means that it's less likely that we're impacted by what our grandparents did. But we'll learn more about that theory, whether that's true with more research. We've known for a long time that a mother's gut and vaginal microbiome influences the health of the child into adulthood. But now we're starting to see that health pre-pregnancy in both parents matters. But the good news is that while the damage changes the way that the DNA is expressed, it doesn't change the DNA itself. And that means that it's reversible. So if this research is transferable to humans, and your parents had compromised health due to their environment or their lifestyle, you're not a lost cause. You may just need to work a little bit harder to achieve optimal health. And remember that this research is in its infancy and there's still a lot to learn. I think the main takeaway here is to avoid artificial sweeteners like aspartame, as well as anxiety and disrupting gut bacteria and the nervous system. It's also been linked to an increased appetite and weight gain, the exact opposite of what it's supposed to help with. You'll mainly find it in products that are listed as diet or sugar-free, so make sure you are checking your labels. Okay, now it's time for my listener's letter. And here is what she said today. Let me just get it up on my screen. She said, hi, Louise. What are your thoughts on veganism? I went vegan three years ago and at first I felt great. All my bloating disappeared. My skin seemed to really clear. I lost weight and had loads of energy. But in the last six months or so, I've been feeling like my health is deteriorating. I'm tired constantly. The weight is piling on. My hair is thinning. My nails are really brittle. I've been taking good quality vitamins and making sure I get loads of iron and nutrient-rich plant foods throughout, but I feel like something is off. I'm now 47, so I'm not sure whether this is perimenopause or to do with my vegan diet. Okay, great question. So let's start with my thoughts on veganism. As with anything, it's individual and some people thrive on a vegan diet and others really don't. Of course, there are good ways to eat a vegan diet, which includes mostly unprocessed plant-based foods and a wide variety of different foods too, but you can also have a really unhealthy vegan or vegetarian diet, you know, full of ultra-processed fake meats. And I've known many a vegan or vegetarian who never ate any vegetables. So let's be clear that just because something is vegan doesn't mean that it's healthy. And just because something isn't vegan doesn't mean that it's unhealthy. The two words are in no way interchangeable. I've seen many clients and also quite a few nutritionists who have followed a very healthy vegan diet and have been very conscious with supplementing all the various nutrients that we usually would get from animal sources like iron and zinc and B12 and various other things. And despite this, experienced the same decline in health that you have. Now, 
Of course, there are plenty of people who seem to thrive on a vegan diet long term, but in many cases, the benefits can be short-lived. A few episodes back in my fact of the week, I was talking about plant-based meat alternatives and how even though on the packet, many of them are listed as high in iron or zinc, actually only a tiny percentage of that is absorbable. And that may be where the problem lies with relying on plant-based foods to get your nutrients. You know, we forget that meat and animal products are really rich in nutrients and those nutrients are in highly absorbable forms. Whereas nutrients from plant-based foods in many cases can be very difficult to break down and absorb. So it could be your diet and you may perhaps benefit from adding in some very good quality animal products. So you could start with eggs, fish or you know whatever you fancy, but go for grass fed, free range if you can, because you know these are much more nutritious and healthy and ethical options as well. Like you've suggested, your hormones are likely playing a role here too. So it may not solely be to do with eating a vegan diet. However, adequate protein, omega-3s and minerals are important for balanced hormones and those can be difficult to get in a vegan diet. So your diet could potentially be exacerbating the menopausal symptoms. I don't wanna come across as anti-vegan because I truly believe that it's different for different people, but the main thing is to listen to your body and to do what feels right for you. If you found that the bloating improved when you cut out meat, then that doesn't necessarily mean that the meat is bad for you. It probably means that you need to work on your gut health because you should be able to digest protein or meat products just fine. If you're feeling stuck and you feel like you need some help, why not send me your question to be answered on the podcast? I'll be sure to keep it anonymous, of course. And you can ask me your question by emailing louise at louisedigbynutrition.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to talk to me about anything that I've discussed in this episode, you can reach me on Facebook or Instagram by searching at Louise Digby Nutrition. Or you can email me with your question to be answered on the podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please head to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, click follow and leave a review. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.